So I don't have like a short-term perspective. I don't care about a bear market or a bull market. I think you can make the argument for launching companies in both environments and there's positives and negatives to both. You know, I launched my last business in 2008 and 2009. So I'm no stranger to a recession. I'm no stranger to building with limited resources. You know, there's something quite nostalgic about launching a business in this environment for me. And I quite enjoy the scarcity of it because I do believe in the space long-term. And so to me, this is just an environment that forces you to really be ruthless with your focus. And there's way less noise. There's way less competition. There's less competition to recruit and hire. There's less competition for collectors. Hello, I'm Somi Aryan. I'm a tech philosopher and the founder of Impeak. My guest on today's podcast is Douglas, the founder and CEO of Wild XYZ, a hyper-curated Web3 platform dedicated to artists and collectors creating art through cutting-edge technology. Douglas is building the go-to destination for artists to collaborate through an application-based residency, launch their collections, and reach new audiences, while curating a space for collectors to interact with emerging and established Web3 artists. If you're interested in how Web3 will impact the art space, this is an episode you don't want to miss. Thank you so much, Douglas, for joining me today. So it was quite interesting. I just come back from VCon and I spoke to a number of YouTubers that were there and I asked them, I said, are you coming into Web3? And a couple of them said that they were thinking about it, but then they decided against it. And then I was checking out and learning more about your project and what you're building. And it seems that you describe it as a Y Combinator for NFT projects or NFT artists. Can you tell me more about that and what it is exactly that you're building? Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. I I think about Wild as uh, the future home for experiential art. You know, I think what we're witnessing is this kind of generational shift into Web3. And, you know, the, the way I kind of think about Web1 was kind of the read phase. Um, Web two was the the read and write phase, and it was uh, the dawn of kind of uh, an emergence of social media. And I really look at Web three as this um, this empowerment around the individual. And I think what we're what we're witnessing is this um, this kind of transition to uh, a new identity with more ownership for the individual that. Uh, is de decentralized, which leverages blockchain technology. And, you know, I, I'm glad you're expanding your definition because, you know, we are at this critical phase in this transition where we need to make, uh, we need to like lower the barrier uh, and the mental hurdle for people to make that leap into the space. Um, when I think about you know, what we're building at Wild is it's really a new way to connect uh, between an artist or a creator and their audience. Uh, you know, if you take uh, a, uh, a digital artist, you know, historically the workflow is very different. You know, they would, um, they would create in their medium of choice, they'd work with a gallery who would help them try to, you know, sell their work. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, creating connection one-on-one -on -one with collectors. And I think that 
you know, at the dawn of generative art and this transition to Web3, now the artists can, can actually make a living as a full-time artist uh, by, uh, by control and control their own destiny by finding a hundred people to love them. And so at wild, you know, we really wanted to start by, um, creating the, the best residency in, uh, in the, in, in the world for digital artists. And so for us, you know, we think that, uh, that's an amazing position because the ecosystem of artists is only going to grow from here on out. And, um, and we think of artists as kind of like the, the leaders of this, this transformation, um, to, uh, to creator first. And so, you know, we're, uh, at Wild, we're really excited to play a role in that as, you know, as we build out our artist residency and as we help kind of usher people to this new age of creativity. As I listen to you, it immediately brings to mind three other projects of Web3, uh, you know, communities that seem to me that have a similar proposition. And I would love for you to help me understand how it differs. For example, yesterday, I actually interviewed the founder of Deca. They're more of a platform that showcases the art. There's the hug. I'm guessing you know the hug with Randy Zuckerberg and proof. So how's your work different from these? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult for me to talk about the differences for um, for companies that I don't you know, that I don't work at. Um, I can, I can, I'm happy to tell you all about wild, um, and why I think it's very unique. Um, you know, to me, I think that, you know, the future of the internet is spatial and spatial future means more immersive, um, predicated on, uh, our ability to engage more, uh, senses with the user. So, um, I, I kind of, you know, when we're shaping our company, we think that this spatial internet future is is upon us. And so for us, you know, we really wanted to uh, build a company that could be generational, that uh, was um, was investing in what we believe the future to be. And if we believe that the future is immersive and we believe that the hardware that um, will be released from companies like Apple uh, will help kind of transform uh, your average everyday internet user into this kind of spatial environment, then we really wanted to build for that future. And so we very much feel like we're several years ahead of uh, this massive shift. And that's by design. You know, we uh, were an early mover, if not a first mover, and kind of betting on these experiences and betting on the creators in this capacity to build uh, and uh, an experience for users that they've never had before. Um, and so these are, you know, I appreciate you mentioned these great companies. I'm sure they're doing amazing things. I think, you know, we're going to be known for experiential art and our artist residency is going to be known for being kind of the, the uh, creating an ecosystem of inclusivity um, with amazing diverse talent of artists that is really pushing the boundaries of creativity and really allowing people uh, to experience art like they've never experienced before. And, um, and so that's, you know, that's what we're, um, investing uh, all of our resources into doing. So you mentioned about spatial internet and that you're building for this and that you're early by design. Does that worry you? Because sometimes I wonder, 
how long is this going to take? I'm also building um, a platform for that, that time when it comes, you know? And of course, there's the fact that we are in a bear market, that it's harder to raise money, that, you know, to, to have that lasting power to make sure that we actually get there. Like, how far do you think we are from that time? One of our investors is a, a genius by the name of Reid Hoffman. He likes to say that uh, you want to be about two years ahead of the the trend and you want it to be and and ultimately it becomes obvious afterwards but you don't want to be like five years ahead <laughs> you don't want to be like 10 years ahead uh and so to me um you know i don't have a crystal ball i just i do know that we're going to see kind of um some epic hardware coming to the space that makes the internet like more immersive very soon with apple's release and so i am trying to build a company that, you know, has like a generational impact. And so to me, uh, I don't take that lightly and we don't view this as a project. We view this as a company. We've raised money from institutions and amazing individuals that are going to support us on this journey. And I think, um, so I don't have like a short-term perspective. I don't care about a bear market or a bull market. I think uh, you can make the argument for launching companies in both environments and there's positives and negatives to both. You know, I launched my last business in 2008 and 2009. So I'm no stranger to a recession. I'm no stranger to building with uh, limited resources. And so, you know, there's something quite nostalgic about launching a business in this environment for me. And I, um, I quite enjoy the scarcity of it because I do believe in the space long term. And so to me, this is just a you know, an environment that forces you to be, be ruthless with your focus. And uh, there's way less noise. There's way less competition. There's less competition to recruit and hire. There's less competition for collectors. There's also fewer people looking at the space right now than there has been the last couple of years. Um, but we've seen this with blockchain uh, many times before where you have, you know, a bear market that's followed by a massive step change in the adoption. Uh, and, and on that adoption curve. And I think we're very early in that, you know, less than a couple million people have ever bought, you know, a piece of digital art. And so to me, um, I think the builders are building during the spare market and we fall into that camp. Yeah, same here. Exactly. So uh, tell me a little bit about the Wild Oasis token-based membership. What is it exactly? Yeah, so Wild, uh, we wanted to take part in this movement to the spatial internet by creating our own immersive experiences. We're also artists and we, um, we're inspired by all these great talented artists that we get to work with, but we also want to like um, control, create our own experiences as well. And so uh, the Wild Oasis is our, uh, our first collection and it um, has uh, a, 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 like a myriad of kind of utility that starting with the mint pass. So, you know, what we wanted to do is give our early evangelists and supporters access to uh, purchase collections from our uh, talented kind of residency artists uh, in advance of kind of the general uh, public. And so um, the mid pass kind of gives that access in about 25% of every single collection uh, that we dropped this year, which would be like 40 to 50 collections. Um, uh, uh, Oasis kind of gets first opportunity and about 20, uh, 25% of those collections are available for Oasis holders. Um, I think, you know, the, um, the other, uh, side of this is that the Oasis is experiential unto itself. And so we're actually, um, 
continue to kind of evolve how we think about it. But the Oasis is kind of this first step towards building what I describe as the wild verse. So the metaverse that we're building is uh, decentralized and the foundation of that uh, future uh, immersive prototype is going to be the building blocks of all the art that, that emerges from our ecosystem. And so, you know, the way to think of it is artists are going to create incredible things. Wild wants to create immersive and incredible things. And then we're going to take all of those collections and have them be the foundational building blocks of the Wildverse. And so to me, uh, that, uh, that Oasis kind of is uh, a step in that direction. And um, it, uh, it also comes with some great utility around uh, some of our um, upcoming kind of really incredible artist drops uh, because, you know, these are going to be highly coveted digital assets, I believe. And I think they'll be very scarce um, for primary drops in particular. And so the Oasis is going to be uh, a really uh, great opportunity kind of um, to get access to those collections before the general public. Very cool. So so let's talk a little bit about the demand in the market for for that art. You know, I, I've never thought of myself as an art collector, uh, whether in real world or in, uh, in digital format. And I think maybe part of it is because I don't fully understand it, maybe, you know, and, and it could also be that I, I feel like as an entrepreneur, I don't quite have the luxury of it, you know, like I need liquidity. What type of people buy these arts and what level of demand are you seeing in the market and do you see that demand increasing over time yeah um i i look at this um a bit differently because i i look at it from wild's perspective and so you know rather than like a macro perspective because i can't control the macro environment but i can control uh what our roadmap looks like and i can control what our priorities are as a company and so um, the way I think about this is, you know, we are choosing artists for a residency that we think are pushing the boundaries of this whole space that are creating on this edge of kind of uh, almost like an uncomfortable spot to be creating um, because it's never been done before. And we happen to like align a lot of our uh, residency with, with artists that are like have been pushing in, in some cases, blockchain art in like 2016. Um, and that's uh, that was very early, you know, in the kind of the first 100 collections or 200 collections that were out there in the ether. And so to me, you know, each of these artists brings their own collectors in a lot of in a lot of ways. And then if you're collecting uh, one of our artists, there's a high likelihood you might like some of our other artists. And so the way that I think about Wild is um, from a network effect perspective. So there's a supply side and there's a demand side. The supply side happens to be like some of the most creative humans on the planet. These artists, they create collections and then we sell these like digital goods to their collectors and the collectors that we bring. And that's the demand side. Um, where you start to see this like uh, accelerant is most uh, marketplaces, uh, their supply side does not recruit the demand side. Um, and so uh, some examples where that does not happen, like, you know, if I was going to get an Uber, uh, the drivers aren't standing on the side of the street saying like, hey, you should really download this Uber app. You might ride with me, but but you might not. But come download this app. Um, or if I was going to stay at an Airbnb, the host isn't like, hey, come use Airbnb. And like, <laughs> maybe you stay at my place, but you could stay at these other places. But here, 
uh, there's this different dynamic, which is the artists realize that like, you know, if, if they're going to be doing a drop and it, in a lot of cases, the artists we work with don't do a lot of drops. And so when they do a collection release, it's a big deal. Some of our artists do just one release a year or every two years. Um, and so, you know, we want to tell that story in a way that's authentic to the artist. We want to take all the collectors of their prior work and bring them over to Web3. Sometimes they're not collectors on the blockchain. Um, sometimes they're um, collectors in, in physical form. And so what we end up doing is bringing all those collectors to wild. And, um, and you know, our hope and expectation is to sell out all the collections that are on our platform, because that's what's best for the artists, what's best for the collectors. Um, and so ultimately that that like uh, accelerant to the network effect is that all the artists are recruiting people um, that are already in their ecosystem to like use the wild platform. And then that, that just gets a lot, a um, lot of growth and it's non-linear. You know, we get these kind of big step change functions to the demand side of our user acquisition, um, these collectors that want to come in and use the platform. Um, but I'm happy to talk about the macro for a, a bit too. I think that we are still at um, in in this point 0.1% kind of early adoption of what this looks like. And I think you think about like the next generation of creativity. Uh, I'll give you a stat: like half of 10 to 14 year olds in the United States use Roblox. And so there's a whole generation of internet users that have been indoctrinated to like devices and using metaverses, buying digital objects, you know, grabbing their parents' Apple Pay or whatever it is and and collecting and they're used to pseudonyms and they're used to like working uh, or playing, I'm sorry, in these environments that were created by other users within the same ecosystem. I think that's amazing. And I think that um, we're about to see this kind of flood of new users and new user adoption that continue to embrace this. And it all starts with the supply side. It all starts with the creators. If the creators all say like, hey, you know, actually I don't like immersive internet and spatial internet and I, I don't like the blockchain. I'm gonna go do something else. Uh, then I, I see things differently. But, you know, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that the demand side falls where the supply is and the supply is coming to Web3 and the supply is coming to the blockchain and they're making more money. They're connecting with their users in ways they haven't before. And so, yeah, I'm sure a handful of creators said, yeah, this is not for me. Uh, Web3 is not for me. It sounds like you met some folks like that at the conference. I'd be curious to see where that their opinions are in five years, because I think um, we've we've already witnessed this on a small scale in 2021 and 22, the first half of 22, where the artists that were the early movers to the space uh, really had life changing, life altering moments by selling collections on the blockchain. And I think that that's just a sign of things to come. Tell me more about the type of immersive experiences that you are working on based on the artwork that uh, you're releasing. How do you see that evolving over the coming months and years? Yeah, we look at it on, on your years, um, time arc perspective. Like, you know, we are defining the category with the artists. So some of the uh, themes that resonate the most with the artists and and what they're building for like immersion so we're starting to build things that you know are going to work great in in hardware that is designed for uh ar and vr and so we're kind of 
you know, uh, I'm not a hockey fan, but I would quote Wayne Gretzky. It's like skating to where the puck is going. Like that's how we think about kind of designing for that, that new surface, which is AR and VR. Uh, we built our immersive experiences in Unreal Engine 5, which is the game engine that Fortnite's built in. Like we, uh, we want to build things that are um, of the highest quality, but also without sacrificing performance. And so, um, you know, I also think about uh, interactivity with the art. So, you know, I think art is meant to be experienced. I think that in, you know, in a lot of cases, like, can we, can we, uh, we focus on sight as a sense? Can, can we look at other uh, sensory ways to engage with the user? If it's auditory, uh, if it's uh, eventually it's like touch. And so I, I think that, you know, combining these things and having, instead of just watching a music video, you can actually step inside to a music video and like see it happening all around you in a VR headset. I think that's really incredible. Um, and I think about dynamic, like on-chain art, so art that evolves. So the thing I bought today maybe is not the thing that it looks like in the future. Um, and then I also look at things happening behind the scenes. Uh, so like, you know, um, one of my uh, favorite uh, uh, duos in the space is Operator. They had a drop this week and they're like choreographers and dancers. They're amazing. And, you know, 99% of their collection happens almost like behind the scenes, but they basically like did a generative choreography collection. And so just like an example of a way, like when would you hear of like a choreographer, you know, dropping a generative art collection? And so these are the thought leaders of our generation. They're pushing the boundaries. And so I see dynamic art is a big uh, evolution in the space. And then I also say just games. And I'm not talking about like mainstream games. I'm not a gamer. I don't self-identify as a gamer, but I do identify as like uh, an art lover now. And if you asked me three years ago, I wouldn't have said that. Um, and I think, you know, the difference now is like, I've gotten to know these artists and I've like gotten to know their mediums, their tendencies, like uh, I've got to know them as people. And once you really start to learn about the artists, like wow, it's just really incredible uh, to hear about those journeys. And so, you know, that's a long way of saying like at Wild, we really want to meet the artists where they're at. And so it can be immersive, it can be interactive, it can be a, a bespoke kind of one-off uh, uh, game that they've created. But like wherever that artist is at, we want to meet them there and then be their thought partner as they kind of like navigate into Web3. Tell me a little bit about the 12-week the uh, virtual program that you have at wild what does it exactly involve uh, how does it how does it work yeah so um it starts with kind of the application process so we we want the best and brightest folks that are really hungry to change the landscape of the space and so that's who we tend to attract uh we care less about your experience level we have some very world-renowned like multiple decades of experience artists and then we also have um, up and coming like emerging artists. Um, and so our programming tends to like focus first on the ecosystem and building a community. Like we want a community of artists that um, trust one another, uh, that can learn together, that's a supportive environment. So we focus on that. Um, to that end, we, uh, we've we kind of created paired programming groups in the past. We've done a mentor-protege relationship, but now we're moving more towards these like super groups of like five to six artists in a pocket where they can uh, critique one another's work and they can be kind of a subset of the larger residency. 
um, our our cohort this um, this, this upcoming cohort has just north of 30 artists in it um, uh, for for specifics there. Um, and then the program itself, like we we want to touch on a lot of different things. There's on the creation side of things, like you know, uh, it can get very technical and talking about levels of on-chainness and dynamic art. Uh, from the marketing side, it's like how can you get 100 people to love you? I think on the the more tactical side of the creating of a collection, like getting uh, critiques and feedback from your peer group within the wild residency is super valuable. So, you know, I think, um, um, and we also want people to like know where what the roots of this space are, are lie within, and and you know the history of the blockchain and the art here, and who are uh, the the pioneers of the space. And so we try to bring all these lessons together, and a lot of it is taught by very experienced artists. Um, and so people that have like done this on the biggest stages. You mentioned that you started your previous company in 2008, 2009, uh, during the last financial crisis. Is that the apartment list? Is that your previous company? That's right. Yeah. Um, I built a United States based uh, rental marketplace called apartment list. I was the founder and CEO for uh, about 14 years, um, and um, you know, we started uh, uh, we started that company um, because with a belief that everyone deserves own they love, and we built a marketplace where we only got paid when we delivered on that. And so every time a family moved in, we'd make between kind of 20% and 200% of one month's rent, and um, and so kind of grew that to raise about 170 million dollars um, from an institutional uh, capital. Uh, from some some really large, incredible investors, and then uh, built the business to uh, about 100 million run rate in revenue and um, hit profitability in 2020. Uh, it's about a 240 person company. Uh, and so I still act as chairman of that company today. I moved into that role about a year ago, uh, about the time that uh, I was considering starting Wild. Do you think that that experience of building that kind of marketplace is going to help you in building Wild? Uh, without question, I think that uh, I'm a big believer in second time founders, uh, you know, I, or people that have done this and have reps and have been successful, you know, in their in their earlier work. Um, and I think I think there is a level of kind of maturity and um, focus that comes with like having been through that. Um, so you can avoid a bunch of distraction. You can avoid a bunch of noise. You can like zoom out, look at a big, uh, more of a macro uh, perspective. And we tend to attract employees that all feed off that energy. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of pattern recognition building a marketplace to to kind of what we're doing now. Um, I would also say that like, you, you know, some of the most important decisions that we make as entrepreneurs is what not to do. I'd argue that's probably even more important than deciding what to do um, in a lot of ways. And so... You know, I think we're able to kind of um, step past um, some shiny objects. I'll give you an example. Like, I think, you know, in the, in the early days, I was like, oh, there, there should be a marketplace uh, for all of this digital art. And, um, you know, I, I see that um, some of the marketplaces in the space, like, they're kind of, um, they're, they're really trying to build as much supply as possible from as many creators and then it doesn't necessarily create a safe environment because it's really easy to get scammed and on a platform that doesn't kind of curate at least some portion of that supply and i think you know 12 18 24 months ago that was a much um 
more complicated problem to solve. And I think the marketplaces are doing a better job of like uh, finding uh, supply and, and like uh, curating supply that that is from trusted sources, but it still is like the wild west. And um, and I feel like there are no barriers to entry. So it's really easy to start a marketplace in rentals. It's not as easy to like grow one with liquidity, but it's easy to start one because uh, the blockchain is a public database uh, where you have access to um, all of the supply uh, the moment you kind of like tap into that and showcase that work on your platform. But the hard part is like building liquidity. Um, but that doesn't mean that like new entrants can't come into the space and take a lot of mind share from consumers. And so we've seen that happen with some of the marketplaces that we all know and love and use. And you know, I think that ultimately a lot of that becomes a race to the bottom. And I don't know. Um, and I, I think we're also going to see this emergence of like, you know, less of an emphasis on secondary um, and more of an emphasis on primary platforms that want to own drops and focus on that. Uh, and and so, you know, in the, if you would ask me like 18 months ago, if I was ever going to start another business again, I would say, for sure, I'll start a marketplace. Um, and I think now, you know, I think about it very differently. I, I get way more excited about the residency and I get way more excited about doing something that's kind of like seems very far in the distance, but to the trained eyes is actually not that far away. And, and so we really benefit from having kind of some reps under our belt as entrepreneurs. And we've got a great team of folks that have done this before. The artists that you work with, do they only work um, on blockchain art right now or are they also having a career as artists outside of blockchain? Um, I would say most are like fully on chain, um, but we, we, we're, we've got some amazing folks that we get to hang out with that also still do kind of physical work. And um, I think the tie that binds is like everyone is excited about building for this immersive future, the spatial internet. Um, and so that's like the common theme. And they don't get to scratch that itch in a lot of ways um, uh, with with the work they're doing today because people aren't really building for that future. I think a lot of um, just like some of the incredible work that's done is still very much focused on 2D. And I I really um, I would love for these collections to have more utility in the form of you know be, being more immersive and engaging with the the collectors in ways that they just can't do with a 2D piece. And so the artists that we tend to attract are the ones that are really like wanting to push the boundaries of that. And if you think about it, like, you know, over the next like five years, having thousands of artists that are all creating like very immersive experiential art. And then you're like threading all that art together in the background and 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 building it into one kind of decentralized world. I think that world is a really cool place to play around. And I think that that is a world that will be like, um, one of the most like creative places uh, that we can go as consumers. And I think that's where communities will be built, identity will be built. And um, and I think it's very, you know, from a collector's mindset, like a really fun place to be collecting things. So those are all things I think about every day. Awesome. Um, and, and how do you balance between uh, bringing in new artists and, and nurturing them uh, and also supporting your existing kind of like more uh, veteran kind of artists. Yeah, it's funny. It's like uh, there are so many like experienced, talented, like uh, digital artists. But I would say from a recognition perspective, uh, 
prior to 2021, many of them just had very little recognition on, on like a large stage. But, you know, a lot of the names that are the most prominent in the space today were not household names two years ago or three years ago. Um, you know, if I'm, I'm from a small town in Ohio, if I go around kind of asking my friends, like, have they heard of Beeple, that you're going to get a lot of blank stares. Um, but that said, like, uh, I think as a company in the space that's trying to build uh, a trusted, like, ecosystem where people can really get to um find their tribe find their home as a as a creator in the space like we you know i i want to have that be a mix you don't know like i we care less about your your location you know your genre like you know whatever it is um about the artist like we we kind of let the work do the talking and we want to attract people um, of all skill sets all ranges all diverse backgrounds because that's the most important um that that's how you build a place that's like everlasting that that people are going to want to be a part of and so we try to keep a very open mind on the folks that we attract um and i think that you know there's the, like genius can come out of a lot of different demographics on the artist side and and so we want to make sure that we're casting a wide net and not excluding anyone and so to me um that's that's a job we take very seriously so last question, how do you keep yourself motivated in this market? <laughs> um, I think it's always um, best to try to stay like as steady as possible, which is hard for me to do. Like I, I get fired up, I get down when things aren't going right, but I try to be resilient. I think like you don't want to, if we've got our hands on the wheel, we don't want to like jerk the wheel because of something we're seeing that happened this week or last week or next month. Like we want to, if you have a vision and you believe in that vision, then it shouldn't be um, subject to like micro swings. And I view this as like, you know, from a from a real big macro perspective, this is like not um, uh, a black swan event that's happening. This has happened many times in <laughs> in crypto, um, and you know, I still I think we're still learning what it means when their NFTs have a bear market because we've only really known bull markets um, for, for, for the vast majority of, of digital art collectors. Um, but what I would say is like, you asked me, how do I motivate myself? There's always something to look forward to. Maybe it's a big thing, but maybe it's a really small thing. It's a conversation, you know, I got to talk to like incredible artists this morning and get to talk to more this afternoon. Like, that's awesome, you know? And I love talking uh, to, uh, to my teammates. And I love like these small wins, you know, we've got really cool innovations on the product roadmap that are coming out. And some of them are like, just something you like I've wanted to do, or one of our teammates has wanted to do, and we're just going to knock it out. And then we're going to see how that impacts the user experience. Um, and, you know, we like to fail fast, and we like to rapid prototype. And like, we, we learn a lot from those failures. But like, I still look forward to finding out the results of things we're working on on the product. I really always look forward to the conversations with artists. Um, you know, we've got a bunch of like really incredible artists lined up for the back half of this year um, in 2023. And I'm, I like feel very honored that they would, um, that they would uh, kind of bet on a no-name company like Wild uh, to release these like really um, uh, kind of step change, like art collections that nobody's like really seen before. And so, 
you know, there's always something to look forward to. So even though like, you know, the numbers don't always go up into the right um, in this space, I, like I said before, I think that's a healthy thing for the, the space. And I, um, I quite like building without the spotlight. And I think the spotlight will be back and it'll be 10 times brighter the next time it comes back. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey with me. And this has been very interesting learning more about it. And I look forward to continuing to follow your journey and see where you you take it. And uh, hopefully I will also have a chance to educate myself more on art. You know, this is why the content that you put out is, is quite important. And I can see this being a very interesting space in the coming years. I really appreciate you saying that. I think you're being a little modest. I looked in your wallet i see like 3000 nfts so <laughs> you like are like a little more than you're leading up but yeah i uh, i appreciate you just uh uh investing in artists and creativity and supporting artists and i know that means a lot to them and i also yeah. think um i really enjoyed being on your program i'm really excited for your future too and i appreciate everything you do for the space because you're you. telling a lot of stories that people need to hear and the more um that uh we we learn about like, like entrepreneurs and doing and artists like doing things in the space that we can all be really proud of that's all a great thing for the for web3 so thanks for everything you do for for web3 thank you thank you so much for sharing that with I hope you enjoyed this podcast interview with Douglas from Wild XYZ. Be sure to check out their platform if you're an artist or interested in art. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching it on YouTube, please consider subscribing, which will really help me and the channel. We are also giving away prizes to people who post a comment on the videos and leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify. Make sure to join our mailing list on MP to learn more about our contests and prizes.